Hi, everybody. Welcome to Trek Trek. I'm your host, Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, if you don't know, or if you're unfamiliar with the show, this is a podcast in which uh, Randy and I go on a trek, so to speak, uh, watching Star Trek shows. And uh, what we're going to be talking about is Star Trek Discovery, which uh, just aired its first two episodes last night as of this recording. Yeah. Um, and I just realized that this is the first currently airing star trek series we've done this for <laughs> like the whole thing started out like oh let's rewatch uh, some star trek we've either never seen or uh we've you know seen a long time ago and so we watched voyager uh and then we watched all of star trek enterprise which i'd never seen all of had you no i'd only yeah. seen a couple enterprise episodes yeah yeah and then we, you know fortunately um you know, while we were while we were finishing that up, the the news came around that uh, there was going to be a brand new Star Trek series, and we said, "Hey, let's let's trek through some some uncharted new territory." <laughs> and here we are. Yeah. So, Justin, uh, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for reviving us. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're you're kind of like the captain, uh, the chief medical officer, and. Uh, I don't know. I was going to say something like a replicator. I don't know. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So I'm super excited to talk about this with you. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about the first two episodes that aired. Uh, first up, Star Trek Discovery, Season 1, Episode 1, The Vulcan Hello. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's uh, not a, uh, you know, an emoji, I guess. It, it is not uh, live long and prosper. It is not, but we do we do, do hear a lot of we come in peace. Mm, so yes, this the, definitely plays into this. Yeah, so uh, there's going to be spoilers. So we're assuming you've seen the episodes, um, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, let's just dive right in. So we come in peace. The uh, the Klingons, particularly Takovma, mm -hmm. the uh, the leader of this sect of Klingons, is uh, he he's uh, very much uh, we hate the outsiders. We're going to unite against this common enemy. Yeah, well, uh, they've got really cool costumes. They're very the different good. for Klingons. They actually, the, the Klingons are very different in this mm -hmm. uh, series, which I had to keep reminding myself this is in the prime universe of mm -hmm. Star Trek. This is within the same timeline as Enterprise, the original series, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager. Yeah, so, I mean, it... I think it, we could spend a little bit of time talking about the Klingons just because, you know, so much of these ep these two episodes is focused on them. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I, and I, I'm guessing even though, you know, we're, we're I think we're in for kind of some surprises along the way for the series. You know, it seems like at least in this first season, the Vulcans are going to factor in pretty or the, the Klingons rather are going to factor in pretty strongly. Um but yeah, you mentioned that the the Klingons are very different, and you know I, I'm interested to hear what you think. You know, obviously they look very different. I mean, they're they're still Klingons. I think. Well, they know, be, they behave the they kind of different, though. Yeah, you know, I, I made a note. I said they're they're like space Dothraki from <laughs> if you've seen Game of Thrones. Uh, they they're they 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 do they behave different. They look different. Um, and they, they sound, eh, I guess they sound kind of different. They um, do a lot more talking to each other throughout mm. this first two episodes than previous, uh, Klingon stuff. Like when we've seen Klingons before, they don't just stand around and talk to each other. Right. That's a good point. There's like a very little talking, a whole lot of action. Mm -hmm. You know, they're definitely a, a species of action speak louder than words. Um, and you know, we hear some of that during this episode too, which is, which is interesting. These are like the, the introspective, um, Klingons. These are, you know, kind of the, um, I don't know if they're, you know, there, there, there's definitely some kind of zealotry going on here. Um, this, this character who wants to unite all of the, the 24, is it 24 houses we're at now with this one? <laughs> I um, think so. Yeah. 
I just want to make a make a little point, and you know, before we move on from you know our our, uh, our first encounter with these revamped again Klingons, because of course you know the Klingons changed from the original series to the next gen. Uh, they've changed for the Kelvin universe, the J.J. Abrams films, or at least the uh, you know the uh, the ones kicked off by what he started. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to point out is um, I actually do like the decision to subtitle the Klingons um, mm. because I feel like it makes them seem more alien. Um, and also it's really cool to hear the Klingon language uh, more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's spoken on, on previous series, but you never hear again, like you said, they, they talk a lot and there's a lot of pontificating and, and long winded discussions. And, uh, it's pretty cool to hear, I think the Klingon language. Um, it's, it's very, uh, it's very interesting to listen to. I do think they did, uh, get some influence from Game of Thrones with that mm-hmm. because in Game of Thrones, they speak these foreign languages a lot to each other and their subtitle and their yeah. subtitle mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and you know there's there there's a, like i said space dothraki there's i feel like there's a definite influence here um yeah but but i mean that's the klingons the the klingons are introduced right from the outset um they're, they're, they're the first uh people we see mm-hmm is uh, Takovma, and uh we don't see vok yet but he's mm-hmm. the uh, albino klingon Mm-hmm. And and from everything we know and all all of what we've you know read about Discovery since uh, it was announced, it, I mean I don't think this is going to be the last we see of these Klingons. Um, I think they'll be pretty pivotal in this first season at least. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, obviously we're going to talk about, it, but it they're going to war with with the Federation. Sure. Yeah. I guess I should have pointed that out too. I mean, that's. Tacoma's whole goal is to get them into a war so that mm-hmm. the Klingons have a common enemy so that all the houses can unite. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's get to the uh, Starfleet officers, the the main character, Commander Michael Burnham. And uh, we see uh, Captain Philippa Giorgio. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're on the desert planets. And uh, that's we saw some promo images. It seemed very uh, Star Wars influenced. Uh, yeah, definitely. very Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they talk about General Order One, uh, better known as the Prime Directive, mm-hmm. on their alien planet. So that's cool. You see a lot of cool callbacks to, or not callbacks. You see a lot of cool references to Star uh, previous Star Trek shows. Yeah, uh, in this part of the show. Yeah, yeah, it's easy to get a little thrown off there, like callbacks. But oh, technically, this is a prequel. Again, I had to remind, keep reminding myself of two things: a that this is in the prime timeline, uh huh, and b that this was a TV show because the production values are very impressive. Yeah, um, there, I mean, I guess we will get more into this, but you know, the the production values, the 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 the. I was going to say computer graphics, you know, the CG, um, you know, just a lot about it really had me thinking, hey, is this is this just one of the new Kelvin movies? Um, and, and that's for a lot of other reasons, too. I mean, just the way everything looks and sounds. And There's a lot of lens flares. There's a lot of lens flare. <laughs> and, it, and, you know, it, it really I mean, I, we were going to get to this point where we talk about it. But, um, you know, it, it is very much like the you know 2009 star trek yes um and in, in more ways than one but yeah the i mean a big part of that is the fact that it it doesn't look like any of the televised star treks mm-hmm. it looks like the cinematics the the modern cinematic star treks yeah and uh we get that even from like you said the scene with with uh giorgio and um and Burnham on on the planet where you know they're they're saying so they're there they're there for a very Star Trek reason though right they're they're trying to help these these people right they're, otherwise there'll be a drought for what eighty nine years or whatever yeah and 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 they're worried about the this whole kind of race is going to become extinct or you know a lot of them are going to die because there's no water and they're there to fix something and you know I. I I, you know, they had this general order one and I was like, Oh yeah, I get it. It's the prime directive. Um, but I feel like, and maybe I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's late night head, but, um, you know, they're, they are interfering with, with a, an alien race, right? An alien they're, species. They're interfering, but they're not showing themselves. Mm-hmm. Although 
the the no. ship does come out of the sky <laughs> to pick them up, <laughs> which we've seen in other situations, namely you know uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. You yep, know, they, exactly. They, they caused a little bit of a problem there in that movie. So yeah, but um, you what know, did, we... what did you think of uh, Giorgio's uh, solution to getting the attention of the Shenzo their ship? Well, you know, it was for the it was a little too on the nose yeah it was pretty cheesy you know and i don't even know if the 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 shinzo could have seen that from space because of all the cloud cover but hey i'm (laughs) we're picking this apart now um you know it was it was it was cheesy yeah um but you know this this part of the episode um you know i thought it was pretty good for I think the the intended purpose, which was to introduce us to these two major, these main characters to, to Burnham and, and, and her, her mentor. And it really, you know, established that relationship. Um, and, and gave us, you know, some background to these characters. It's funny that you say they're main characters because even in the intro, Michelle Yeoh is listed as a <laughs> guest star. <laughs> main characters for the pilot, for these two episodes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alert. I mean, I mean, well, that's the thing, right? You see the Shinzo and you see uh, Michelle Yeoh listed as a guest star. A guest star. So you're like, well, obviously this is, yeah, (laughs) obviously this isn't going to last. The show is called Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, it's not Star Trek Shinzo. And, you know, anyways, you know, but I, I, ah, we'll, we'll talk about this in a bit, probably. But, um, you know, there was so much emphasis placed on Michelle Yeoh's character in oh, all yeah. the lead. No, I mean in she... all the lead up, and so when it said guest starring, I, I was just like, "Really? You're just gonna give it away? They just give yeah, it away? You're just showing your hand here in the opening credits?" Though, speaking Anyways. of the opening credits, uh, it's very James Bondish. Uh, oh, you know, I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, that that very much is though. With yeah. the, kind of the blueprints unfolding and yeah, it's you know, different. things happening to the music, choreographed to the music. Different than previous uh, Star Trek show intros. Yeah, you know, to me it felt, you know, it was a little more towards the end of the Enterprise spectrum from things. Where it was, you know, not a uh, a ship traveling through space so much. At there, least the theme song is better than Enterprise. Oh, sure. And, there, you know, there's, and it's very Star Trek-y. And there's a, it's, it's not as, as distinct as, as the original series or Next Gen or even, you know, Deep Space Nine or Voyager. Yeah. Um, but at the, at the, uh, there, there's a couple of nice beats there at the end of the, the credits where, you know, you have the callback to the fan, the Star Trek fanfare. Which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so you feel like, oh, this is this is definitely Star Trek, and you know it's cool to see the ship, the blueprints of the, or I guess the schematics of the the Discovery. Um, it's our first look at it in the show, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because we just see the Shenzhou the whole time. Yeah. Uh, so we learn that uh, it's May eleventh, twenty two fifty six, because they use both star dates in standard Earth dates. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know that, well, we learn later that Starfleet has had no, co- or Earth has had no contact with Klingons for a hundred years, mm-hmm. which works out timeline wise because Enterprise encountered Klingons on November 27th, 2154. Oh. In the season bit. four episodes, uh, 15 Affliction and episode 16, uh, Divergence. Mm-hmm. So. And that was their last their last contact or the last significant contact with the, mm-hmm. with the Klingons. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's about a hundred years. Yeah. So that was, that was a pretty big revelation that, you know, they, they basically haven't seen hide nor hair of, uh, of the Klingons in that long. So it gives them that kind of a, a mysterious air, right? Yeah. Um, but, uh, getting back to the show, uh, we get to see the Shenzhou. We see the the bridge is on the bottom of the saucer, mm-hmm. which is weird to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty different. Uh, it's I noted uh, it's super dark on the ship. Mm-hmm. Like the lighting is just dark. Yeah, that can't be you know good, especially when all of the there's all the light coming from outside. But yeah, um, and again, you know, I guess that doesn't really fit with the with the the way the Kelvin stuff looks. But it's I mean, it's even. It's even it's darker than Enterprise. Yeah, uh, um, I'm not sure. And then it's moody. We get to look at the uh, uniforms, which are very mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. Um, they were kind of jumpsuits in uh, Enterprise, 
Mm-hmm. And then you got the standard uniforms in the original series. And this one's more uh, kind of a militaristic uniform. Yeah. Uh, it's very hard to tell who's in what section. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> I'm like, wait, he's a science officer. Oh, okay. So his badge is different and he's got silver on it on his blue mm-hmm. uniform. Well, but from what I could tell, you know, so they've got that base color and, you know, you can maybe see it as an evolution from Enterprise. But, you know, like you said, there's there's pretty much it looks like gold and silver and no real. I mean, that all the distinguishing factors are are all really small. Yeah. You can't like you said, you can't immediately look at someone and say, like, oh, there's insecurity or they're, you know, a science officer. You can't even really tell the rank. Mm mm. No, I mean maybe it's there, maybe it's like yeah, something you should should be able to pick out, but I mean so far at least everything is going so fast and you know, I'm just kind of like, oh yeah, she's in gold, he's in silver. I don't know what that means. <laughs> you know, and, and it's kind of it's kind of funny because you know, I've seen some, you know, after the the uniforms were were revealed, you know, I've seen some kind of like fan re- remixes of the uniforms that in, in, incorporate the the blue and the, you know, the yellow and the and the red and the, the you know kind of the, the color scheme of Star Trek uniforms mm-hmm. and they actually look really cool and I'm just like why <laughs> why I, did they have to go so far with that yeah I mean I like their uniforms but I do wish they had incorporated mm-hmm. the colors because like you said even in Enterprise they had the colors there mm-hmm. yeah it still stood out uh so we learned that uh Michael is uh Michael Burnham is uh, really gung-ho to explore. Uh, she had been raised by uh, Sarek, uh, Spock's dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of it's weird, I guess. I mean, she's trying to balance being logical, but also being human. I mean, when, when we see her interacting with uh, Captain Georgia on, uh, on, down on the planet, you know, she seems very Vulcan-ish. Um, right. And, you know, we get back on, you know, we get back to the Shinzo and, you know, she's not quite. And you can definitely tell that, you know, well, this person is definitely not a, a Vulcan, you know, a pure Vulcan. Mm. Um, there's, there's this human aspect to her and, and there's, you know, obviously there's gonna, there's some stuff later in the, in the pilot episodes where, you know, you, we get that flashback to, um, kind of when she was like kind of fresh out of the out of her schooling on Vulcan, and she does seem very much more Vulcan. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's almost like that. Oh, your time among the humans has has influenced you greatly. You know, yeah, she's kind uh, of like to Paul. <laughs> she's acclimating to being a human again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so Shenzo is out uh, looking for this beacon. That's busted. They got to go repair it. Yeah, and then they're they, on a repair mission. They they notice they notice something far out there, and they want to go check it out. There's heavy radiation, so uh, Michael puts on a suit and goes to check it out. Mm-hmm. And straight out of uh, Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Yep, I I noted that as well. <laughs> I was like, hmm, why couldn't they use a shuttlecraft? But yeah. But she's got a spacesuit on, and she goes out and uh, discovers that uh, there's a Klingon, and she accidentally kills that Klingon. Yeah, and you know, it just happens so fast. I mean, she turns on the boosters on her suit to try to get away, but ends up, like, just headbutting the Klingon, right? Or something, flying into his chest. Yeah, she, like, stabs him with the batleth or something. Yeah, with his own weapon. Mm -hmm. So there you go. You've just uh, made your first contact with the Klingons in over a century, and you killed him. That's uh, not so good. Uh, but nah, we learned, not off to a good start. We learned that uh, she has a reason to hate Klingons, because they, they killed her parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. While Starfleet has not had significant contact with Klingons, Klingons have still been up to some shady stuff yeah i guess we get a little bit of background on that through some through some footage where we you know see that they've kind of been you know conducting these raids or you know or they even call them like extremist attacks or something i'm just like hmm uh so michael uh flies back to the ship uh she's suffered from the radiation and she was in uh sick bay for three hours 
in those three hours, apparently Tacoma had a funeral for the dead Klingon, the, yeah, the torchbearer. Yeah, he's, he's on top of that. Takes the, the funeral rites very seriously. Yeah, and he puts the uh, body in this uh, sarcophagus, and then the sarcophagus is, becomes armor for his ship, uh-huh. which is yeah. crazy. Yeah, I think there's a comment later where, you know, they're they're looking at the at the Klingon ship and they say something like and it was actually really cool. They're like oh, the entire outside of the ship is lined with coffins. They're <laughs> like, oh, is this like space Vikings? Like, what's going on here? Yeah, they're I mean they're he's he's a he's a weird dude, that Tacoma. Yeah. Um we see that uh on or in this particular version of star trek they have holographic communication mm-hmm. instead Which of just is... having on-screen communication yeah so it's a weird you know i've actually seen some comments on this as well um you know, since the episode aired that it's it's like it's very um uh weird anachronistic sort of uh point about the show is that you know so you go from from enterprise where using view screens you go to uh, original series view screens, next generation view screens, everything view screens to these like very advanced holograms <laughs> projected basically anywhere. Yeah. Um. But uh, hey, I mean, that's uh, it's its own thing. No, it's supposed to be in canon. So. Yeah, it's supposed to be in canon. See, that's the thing. It's a t- it's a tough thing anytime you have a prequel is trying to fit it within the timeline. And uh I mean, do different wa- things. They want to make their own show. Mm-hmm. So they should be allowed to do certain that should be afforded certain liberties for mm-hmm. that. But it's tough because you think about the other shows around it. You go, wait a second, this doesn't make sense. Yeah, maybe they found out that holograms just don't work. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Uh, Oh, so they have the encounter with the Vulcans. Or not the Vulcans. So they have an encounter with the Klingons. Mm -hmm. And uh, Michael wants to get advice from Sarek. So mm-hmm. so she gets she gets on the horn the hologram horn mm-hmm. and uh, asks uh how the Vulcans dealt with the Klingons mm-hmm. and they they had the Vulcan uh hello which yeah. is to attack the Klingons first. Yeah, I mean he basically says, "Hey, we had this encounter with them and they totally destroyed us, so from then on every time we encounter the Klingons, we just shoot at them and they respect it." Right. So, so there you go. So Michael wants to do this. She's like Giorgio, we gotta attack now. We have to attack first to avoid this war with Klingons. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the Federation and the Starfleet is not about attacking first. Yeah, I mean, this, she, she specifically tells Michael that, right? We Star Trek does not shoot first. Star Trek, sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm punchy. Uh, Starfleet does not shoot first. Yeah. Uh, so... Michael does what she thinks is right by uh, using the Vulcan nerve pinch on Giorgio and taking over mm-hmm. while Giorgio is knocked out. Which was, you know, shocking. I didn't expect her to do that. Um, so when she actually, you know, put the pinch on, I thought, wow, this is this is not how I expected this to go. It is the logical thing to do. Mm, true. In this situation. so. From that standpoint, it makes sense. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, like in uh, Wrath of Khan, Spock goes off on his own to fix the warp core because mm-hmm. he knows, like, well, I got to do it. Yeah. And he doesn't ask permission. He doesn't tell anyone. He just goes and does it. Yeah. So, in a, in a, you know, in a sense, I guess that's basically what Burnham did here is just say, like, hey, I'm making this unilateral action. Right. I would need to save a logical thing. Mm -hmm. I need to save everyone. So I'm just going to go do it. Mm -hmm. Um, How does that work out? It does not work out (laughs) because she doesn't doesn't have the strength of a Vulcan. Mm -hmm. Giorgio wakes up, grabs a phaser and uh, yeah. Yeah. It's probably the, the uh, record for the, the shortest duration nerve pinch. Mm hmm. Because it seems like it lasted like a minute, <laughs> if that. But that's a good point. She does not have Vulcan strength, and so it wouldn't have been as effective. 
And uh, yeah, so the Klingons show up and uh, the Shenzo is uh, outnumbered greatly. Greatly outnumbered. Yeah, the Klingons. By a lot of, uh, one thing I did think was really cool was a lot of diverse Klingon ships. Like basically each house had its own ship design. Yeah, uh, you just see the bird of prey and then, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of different kinds of Klingon ships showing up. Mm -hmm. And did you see a bird of prey in there? I I didn't look closely enough. I need to rewatch it and still frame and everything, but I haven't seen anyone discussing that. Yeah, I didn't see any, but Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to see them since this is set like, what, 10 years before Kirk? Yeah, so they should have those. I mean... there's all sorts of directions this could go as well in terms of, well, when they encounter the Klingons on the original series, it seems like there's just one, there's the Klingons, right? Mm -hmm. So does that mean that, uh, that the great uniter is, uh, is actually, uh, um, successful in his goal to reunite the Klingon empire? Hmm, Possibly. As as uh, what Kales uh, once did. Uh yeah. So the uh, the Shenzo is outnumbered by Klingon ships, and we uh, that's the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Then so. we go to episode two because they showed two episodes on mm-hmm. uh, CBS All Access. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode two: Battle at the Binary Stars. Mm-hmm. Such a great title. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's very simple, but it it set the stage for exactly what it was. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a battle. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a, I mean, there's a battle on the bridge of the Shenzo mm-hmm. with uh, uh, Giorgio putting uh, Burnham in the brig, mm-hmm. uh, and then there's the Kleons who are. Well, there's Tacoma who's trying to get all the houses together. One of the houses mm-hmm. is like, forget it. But the other houses are like, hmm, I think it's got some good ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Burnham's in the brig and uh, Sarek reaches out to uh, Michael. Right. Because of and his I, Ketra. I, yeah. I, I wondered what you'd think about this because... You know, there was a there was a little bit of uh, of Enterprise where they really focused on this concept with the Vulcans, mm-hmm. and that show is so Vulcan, <laughs> so Vulcan focused. We got to see so many you know uh, different aspects of you know Vulcan beliefs and culture, and and that was a major one of them, right? You know, we actually at one point had you know a situation where um, Captain Archer had. You know, an uh, an an elder ancient Vulcan's katra, mm-hmm. right? As right. part of his as part of his essence or soul or whatever it was. Um, yeah, apparently it's it's kind of like a you know hyperspace communication channel or something too. Right, but it really pains Sarek to do this, but it's right. the only way that he can reach out to her. And I thought that maybe she was just kind of communicating with some, you know, like latent aspect of him that's just kind of like, quote unquote, always with her. But then they basically say, you know, he's he's communicating with her across vast distances <laughs> of space telepathically, right? Yeah. So that's interesting. I don't yeah. know if we've seen that before on Star Trek, but it's an interesting uh, concept. Kind of. You know, it gives us a little bit more uh, about the Vulcans that we hadn't really seen before. Yeah, and we thought we saw everything about Vulcans and Enterprise. <laughs> yep, it turned out there's still a lot of Vulcan stuff to to see for the first time. Uh, so some Starfleet ships show up, including the Europa, um, mm-hmm. which, which is, is the Admiral's ship. Yep, the Admiral's ship, and the Admiral's like, oh, we can have uh, negotiations with Tacoma, and Tacoma's mm-hmm. like, yeah, sure, totally, we could do that. Just kidding! I cloak my ship and I'm going to ram it into the Europa, <laughs> and and slice it down the middle, mm-hmm. which was a pretty epic epic scene. So we um, learn from this that Tacoma has cloaking technology, but none of the other Klingons do. Right, right. 
Um, that was, that was interesting, you know, because when, when back in the, in the first episode, uh, when they said, oh, there's this anomaly and, you know, we can't quite make out what it was. I'm like, it's Klingon cloaking technology. <laughs> like, come on. Uh, apparently you haven't seen that before, but now, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think one of the other houses, uh, brings up something about the cloaking technology, um, and you know, oh, you've managed to hide your beacon, uh, which is, I guess, what his his command ship is. Um, but but he says, oh no, I can hide other ships too, and then this happens, and uh, yeah, it was it was pretty effective, I thought, because uh, he destroys the Europa. Yeah, and there's a really big space battle. <laughs> yeah, it was like Wolf three five nine times three five nine. Basically, yeah, it had really impressive uh, special effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, spe- like again, I had to keep reminding myself that this is a TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it was yeah. so impressive. Well, it looked like I mean, if you think about it this way, and you know, I, I have some more thoughts on this uh, on this matter. But if if you think about it, it it's it's kind of like what the 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 one seven zero one Enterprise warped into uh, at at Vulcan uh, in in the the two thousand nine Star Trek. Um, you know, they warp into the aftermath of that encounter with uh, with Nero, right on the uh, on his. Uh, and his space mining vessel. Um, and you get to see kind of the aftermath of all this destruction and wrecked, uh, wrecked Starfleet ships and bits and pieces drifting around. Right. Mm-hmm. But this was like, we were seeing, you know, what, whatever took place, you know, the battle that took place there. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, uh, maybe the most epic, uh, televised Star Trek battle. Um, you know, I'm, I, I, I know that there's some stuff in uh, DS nine. That's pretty, pretty uh off the charts but uh, i thought it was really impressive yeah technology's come a long way in uh, special effects um they're able to do a lot more than they could do on deep space nine um but yeah deep space nine was very impressive for the time for sure yeah um so michael is stuck in the brig and uh that section of the ship got heavily damaged so she's gonna die because the force field keeping her alive is going to deteriorate eventually. Yeah, the computer is telling her, you know, oh, you have eight minutes to live. And the computer is not letting her out, though, because yeah. the computer is like, oh, you'll die. Uh, so there's a pretty... It's a cool scene in that Michael can outlogic the computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's weird to have a computer that's so difficult i guess because mm-hmm. i'm so used to seeing computer on tng and uh you know deep space sign and whatever uh being a helpful computer right yeah i mean you'd think that you know no matter what if the human says hey let me out you know they would it would uh it would go along with that but mm-hmm. it doesn't in this case um, but yeah, that was cool. It was good to see her think her way out of that situation. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was wondering, um, I, I'm trying to remember the last time when, you know, we've seen, um, that sort of whole integrity force field used on Star Trek. I mean, I know I've always, uh, you know, I've read about it before. Um, uh, and you know, it's, it's, it's brought up like here and there that, you know, if the ship sustains enough damage, it'll put up a, a force field to keep the atmosphere in and things like that. But I couldn't remember really seeing that used. Maybe I was thinking maybe it was in TNG, but it was, it was pretty cool because there's like this huge amount of damage to the ship and it's basically has this kind of force filled hull. Yeah. I mean, we got things together. I mean, we got to see a crewman go flying out into space because of damage mm-hmm. and then the force field uh, came online. Um, so in order to take out Tacovma, so the Senzo is very badly damaged, floating mm-hmm. in space, but they still want to get Tacovma. And, and the, the other surviving Starfleet ships have all warped out. Yes. They're like, we're out of here. But the Shenzo is too badly damaged, right? Right. Which I thought was weird that they didn't try to pick up the survivors from the Shenzo before they yeah. left. Yeah, exactly. Not really sure what was going on there. Uh, but anyway, so Shenzo's left behind, adrift. 
but uh, Giorgio still wants to get to Kovma. So she has the idea of uh, sneaking a, or she notices that Takovma is using tractor beams to get the dead Klingon bodies out of space. Mm-hmm. And so she, Giorgio gets the idea of putting a uh, proton warhead on a dead Klingon body so that when it's brought into Takovma's ship, it goes off and uh, disables his ship. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it works. Yeah, it's pretty clever. Uh, so Giorgio and, um, and uh, Burnham beam over to the Klingon ship. I noted they should probably have more than two people going to go pick up Takovma. Mm-hmm. They want to bring him and, in. They want to bring him in alive so that he's not a martyr. Uh-huh. But, and, uh huh. But and yeah, they they um they send two people against what you know on this massive Klingon ship is probably you know hundreds, if not more, um, yeah. Klingons to face off against. But hey, you know, <laughs> two people you gotta, have, you gotta have these two main characters armed with hand phasers, not even mm-hmm. phaser rifles, which we know they have. Yep. <laughs> Uh, but sure, whatever. Sure. <laughs> they send them over. Uh, there's a, there's a fight. Things mm-hmm. don't go so well. Uh, Giorgio gets killed. Surprise, surprise. 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 Michelle surprise, Yeoh surprise. doesn't make it. Unfortunately. Uh, and, uh, Burnham sees this happen and flips her phaser over from stun to kill and, uh, kills Takoma. And so we don't get our our prisoner of war. Nope. Instead, he's made a martyr, which she was afraid of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no prisoner of war. And how do you feel about, uh, by the way, um, about this idea that you know the, the 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 whole plan to to disable the ship? I mean, I think it was really clever. But is it you know unusual that it seemed like they were kind of you know collecting their dead on the battlefield, and we're going to kind of go off and do whatever. Um, but then they, they kind of had a sneak attack against them. I, I don't know. I, I guess that's, that's all right by space war rules, but you know, I mean, the Cleons have a cloaking device. That's not very fair either. Yeah. Yeah. So no one's <laughs> playing fair. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Georgia gets killed. Body gets left behind because for some reason they can't lock onto it or don't want to lock onto it. Uh, yeah, that, that really stood out to me. They said they couldn't get a transporter lock because there's no life sign. Yeah. And I didn't realize that that was something you needed because, of course, they transport in, you know, organic materials that aren't alive, you know, or they transport, basically, they transport objects that are not living people all the time. Yeah. So. Couldn't, and if nothing else, couldn't Burnham put her communicator on Georgia's body? So they would something. have something to lock on to. Yeah, but then you wouldn't have gotten the scene where, you know, she's she's down over her, you know, oh, don't be dead, don't be dead. And then they transport her back and then she gets to cry. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they wouldn't have that scene, but I don't know. Yeah. It just stood yeah. out to me that they left her behind. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, yeah, so Georgia's dead. Tacovma's dead. So really, Vok, I guess, will be the main Klingon bad guy. Yeah, that's what that's what it's looking like. He'll he'll carry on the carry the torch. He's the torchbearer. He's, he is the torchbearer. So he's going to carry that on. He says, you know, he's going to make sure that everyone knows uh, how you know knows how he died, and you know he will be a martyr, and you know it will that will unite everyone, basically. So yeah, good job, uh, Commander Burnham. <laughs> You made a right mess of things, Commander. Uh, so Commander Burnham at the end is, uh, she's been stripped of her rank and sentenced to life imprisonment for, mm-hmm. for mutiny and starting a war. So yeah. <laughs> they just said, uh, you started a war. <laughs> You're going to jail. Yeah. So that, that's not good. No. Yeah. Uh, something tells me that sentence doesn't stick <laughs> since this is only the second episode of a series. Uh, yeah, that and the, the, this season on, <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's the end of the, the episode. Oh, we didn't talk about, uh, Saru, the, the new alien. Oh no, we haven't, we haven't talked about any of the other characters. Although to be honest, you know, we only really see Saru and, uh, Burnham and Giorgio and the Klingons really, you know, 
We're yeah. not introduced to any of these other characters, so I think at least some of them will be back. Oh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, Saru just... played by uh, Doug Jones. Yeah. He's, he's cool. <laughs> he is cool. He is upsettingly lanky. <laughs> but perfect. I mean, he looks alien. I mean, it is it is like this uncanny, like alien body type. Mm-hmm. that that he has and it's 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 like oh we don't need a cg alien because we have doug jones in this makeup and i think it looks really cool um i you know i don't know the note i made was you know i'm not really sure what his deal is <laughs> no it's not quite that i i just you know thinking back to you know tng uh where you know they really set you up from the pilot with oh well here are the main cast members and here's what's special about each of them Right. And so, I mean, by its very nature, we don't really get that with this. But, you know, I am I am trying to to understand, you know, what what Saru is going to bring. You know, apparently he's he's of a race that is basically just afraid of everything. Yeah. So so he was the other side of the coin. So there's Mm. Burnham, who's very gung ho about attacking the Kleons first going out into space on these missions like exploring stuff and they have saru on the other side who's just afraid of everything Mm -hmm. and again we'll 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 see how that plays out we'll see if that still creates an interesting dynamic i mean they were definitely you know saru and 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 burnham uh, were the the characters that were at odds um, and, you know, there was, all, there was humor around their interactions, but they were definitely, you know, trying to, to gun for being, you know, kind of, uh, captain's favorite. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not something again, you know, I think we could talk about this some more, but, you know, we heard that you know, there was going to be this element of this show that, you know, kind of went against the grain with what Roddenberry, you know, set out with the previous series, which was, you know, the humans aren't the source of conflict. The humans have got it all figured out. We're going to see humanity reflected in the other alien species. Um, that's where the conflict will come from. Whereas here, we've had a lot of human conflict yes. so far, yeah. including between Burnham and Saru and later Burnham and Giorgio. Mm-hmm. So um, I think we're, we just got the very first taste of this. If the indications of the, you know, the, the later in the season preview or anything go by. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, overall, I enjoyed these two episodes. Mm-hmm. I, I know you really enjoyed these episodes. I, I really did. And, you know, it's, I guess it's kind of cliched to say, but, you know, I, I enjoyed them because they brought a new, it was a new interpretation of Star Trek. I felt, um, you know, it, it definitely felt to me a lot more like the Kelvin films, um, especially the first, the first of them. Um, and, you know, even down to kind of the whole standoff, I mean, it's very much like, you know, the standoff between, you know, the villain in that film and, and Starfleet and the Enterprise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, you know, but I really, you know, I felt that, um, we were seeing, you know, kind of a more, uh, I, 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 he seemed to say, you know, kind of like a more believable dynamic, but definitely a more relatable human dynamic, um, between the characters. Um, you know, I, I thought that, that it was really well written, uh, again, like the, 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 um, the entire, you know, the cinematography and the, the visual design and, and everything about it was just amazing, uh, for a television series. I mean, it, it's, they've really spared no expense and you can tell. Um, and I don't know, you know, how much of that was Brian Fuller and just his like extreme, you know, mastery of kind of like visual presentation and, and how much of it, you know, went to others. But, you know, you know, I get the sense that this is meant to be a very, you know, dr- a drama, like a very, um, you know, very dramatic series. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also we're getting the first taste of the serialization, which, you know, we talked about when we were watching Enterprise, uh, how, you know, we really enjoyed the, the story arcs. And this is, this is looking like it's going to be the extreme of that, right? Like it's going to be a huge story arc as far as we know. Um, uh, 
and 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 you know ultimately you know i i also felt a lot of um another thing we mentioned was enterprise was with enterprise was that kind of you know battlestar galactica (laughs) aspect like this this to me felt a lot like star trek meets you know the rebooted battlestar galactica yeah i think I, I agree with all those points. I think I would be more okay with this show. I I, I like the show overall. I want to mm-hmm. preface that first. Mm-hmm. But I think I would be more okay with it if it were not in the prime timeline. Mm-hmm. Because the the show feels so much like the Kelvin timeline mm-hmm. that I just think it would fit better within that universe. Yeah. I, I mean... It's something that I've thought about, you know, a lot since we watched the, the these two episodes was just how, I mean, is it is Star Trek. You know, I heard, I read some comments, you know, even before it aired from people who had seen it before, uh, from, from, uh, screenings and such that, you know, you, some of the, the really extreme reactions were, you know, this isn't Star Trek. This doesn't feel like Star Trek at all. And I don't agree with that. You know, but my, my personal opinion is that I felt like it was very Star Trek. You know, I felt, it felt like Star Trek, but it's very different, uh, very different Star Trek. You know, it's, it's not that, I mean, it couldn't be more different from the pilot for TNG. Yes. I mean, if that's probably the easiest way to put it. It's not the next generation. It's not the original series. It's basically none of the other Star Treks. No, I mean, well, I mean, it's drawing some influences from Deep Space Nine. Sure. And mm-hmm. I mean, you see little influences everywhere. You got mm-hmm. you got Burnham, who's a prisoner, who's this pariah in Starfleet. But mm-hmm. you you saw that in Tom Paris on Voyager. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the focus is so heavily on. Uh, combat in these two episodes mm-hmm. on conflict both within the crew and then against the Klingons. And I can see how some people would view that as not Star Trek because Star Trek is more about trying to find peaceful solutions in general. Mm-hmm. There, there's always conflict, but there's yeah, always like combat. But but that, that's why there's never, you know, ma- there's hardly ever massive space battles. Yeah. So I can see from, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I can see why people are saying this isn't Star Trek because sure. it, it, it's not like the other series. And I'm glad that it's doing its own thing, to be honest, yeah. but mm-hmm. I can see where people are coming from as well. Yeah, for, for sure. You know, I think if it was, you know, <laughs> if it was trying to be too much like Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, if you listen to our, our, our zero episode of of Trek Trek Discovery, you would have heard us talk a lot about the Orville. Uh, and if it was trying to be, you know, too much like TNG, it might be, you know, something more like the Orville. Or it might be like Star Trek Voyager, you know, which was, they were trying to do, you know, for, you know, for all intents and purposes, like another, another TNG. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and this, you know, and I'm also glad that this is its own thing. But I do think that if, if someone went into this, a huge TNG. I mean, we're huge fans of TNG. We're huge. You know, I'm a huge fan of all Star Trek, but if someone went into it where it was just like the only Star Trek they identify with was t- TNG, they would, I could see where they'd be very disappointed. Yeah. Um, and especially if they were someone, let's say someone who was really into TNG or the original series and didn't care for the Kelvin timeline movies at all. Right. Um, because you're right. I mean, these, these should, this show should exist in that timeline. In that universe. Right. But I, I enjoy it. I really, when I was watching it, I was really engaged for, mm-hmm. I, pardon the pun. I was really, uh, <laughs> I was riveted. I wanted to see what was going to happen next. I, mm-hmm. I like the characters overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that they needed to tie it into original series by having Sarek there, but mm-hmm. <laughs> sure, whatever. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I want to see what happens next. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy that I spent my six dollars to see the show. <laughs> right, right, because that's now that's that's the way to watch it in the U.S. is CBS All Access, and you know apparently they they set a record for you know new signups. Probably not that hard to do when previously you had you know a very small number, but um, uh, apparently you know it was a, it was a big 
a big hit for them. The, the, the televised ratings for the first episode were really strong. Um, it, I guess we'll just have to see. Um, yeah, I do want to see what they're – well, they won't release it, but I would like to know what their numbers are because there's a free week of mm-hmm. CBS All Access. I want to see what their numbers are after people saw those two episodes. Yeah. Well, uh, let's just say that you may uh, have a co-host who could provide some of that insight <laughs> in a future episode of Track Track. So, uh, yeah, might have to tap into some of my day job, uh, my day job uh, insights there to see uh, see what happens. But uh, no, I'm uh, I'm also I'm I'm on board. Um, I I can't wait to see w- you know what happens next. We got that little tease, you know, at the end of the episode of what's coming and and there's definitely some, you know, we got to see Harry Mud and you know, there's some there's some mystery. You know, I'm not quite sure. I, I get this weird vibe from Lorca and the and the discovery that there's some mystery about the ship. Like he's why does he want her? Um what has he got going on that he needs her for? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely, I think, going to be a, a little bit of a mystery aspect, or maybe it'll all get revealed in the next episode. Which, which, um, you know, I made a note, uh, you know, in researching for for our chat, um, that you know, uh, Aaron Harberts, the the showrunner. Uh, one of the two showrunners for the show that took over for Brian Fuller, you know, he said, you know, really explicitly that um, he considers, you know, the first, um, these two episodes to be a prologue to the actual series. And that the next episode, uh, which is Context is for Kings, to be the the real pilot in a sense. Yeah, so. yeah, I definitely got that sense. And as we talked about before, you don't even see the discovery in these two no. episodes. No, just just a schematics in the opening, right? And so uh, that that should be really interesting to see where it picks up. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, or maybe uh, maybe Burnham just you know the whole series she's just in prison. <laughs> it was all a big swerve, you know, Something... throwing us off. Well, they tried to swerve people by showing Michelle Yeoh and all mm-hmm. the marketing materials. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they thought they were. Uh, spoiler alert. That she was going to be like uh, Ned Stark, right? Yeah. <laughs> no. Nope. But then nope, they, uh, then they, like you said, they shut their hand and they starring the credits. Yeah, you know, and and you know, I mean, it's worth mentioning that too. I mean, I I thought she was great, and I'm really sad that she's not going to be a part of the show. <laughs> well, they didn't get her body back, so you never know. Oh my gosh, are we going to have like a, a Klingon clone of <laughs> Captain Giorgio? Is she going to be a, like Locutus, but only a, a Klingon version of yep. Locutus? We'll see. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. Uh, yeah, so Context is for Kings uh, airs on uh, uh, October 1st. Uh-huh. So, so we'll uh, we'll be there. Yeah, can't wait to talk about it with you. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I guess it's time to boldly go. Is that is that a good one? Sure. All right. I'll, I'll work on them for next time, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. See you next time. 